Chapter Five of Rowdy of the Cross L by B. M. Bower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Penn. Chapter Five, at home at Cross L. In two days, Rowdy was quite at home with the Cross L. In a month, he found himself transplanted from the smoke-laden air of the bunkhouse and set off from the world in a line camp with nothing to do but patrol the boggy banks of milk river where it was still unfenced and unclaimed by small farmers the only mitigation of his exile so far as he could see lay in the fact that he had pink and the silent one for companions it developed that when he would speak to the silent one he must say jim or wait long for a reply also the silent one was not always silent and he was quick to observe the weak points in those around him, and keen at repartee. When it pleased him so to do, he could handle the English language in a way that was perfectly amazing, and not always intelligible to the unschooled. At such times, Pink frankly made no attempt to understand him. Rowdy, having been hustled through grammar school, and two-thirds through high school before he ran away from a brand-new stepmother, rather enjoyed the outbreaks in Pink's consequent disgust. Not one of them loved particularly the line camp, and Rowdy least of all, since it put an extra ten miles between Miss Conroy and himself. Rowdy had got to that point where his mind dwelt much upon matters domestic, and he made many secret calculations on the cost of housekeeping for two. More than that, he put himself upon a rigid allowance for pocket money, an allowance barely sufficient to keep him in tobacco and papers. All this without consulting Miss Conroy's wishes, which only goes to show that Rowdy Vaughan was a born optimist. The silent one complained that he could not keep supplied with reading matter, and Pink bewailed the monotony of inaction, for, beyond watching the river to keep the cattle from miring in the mud lately released from frost grip, there was nothing to do. According to the calendar, spring was well upon them, and the prairies would soon be flaunting new dresses of green. The calendar, however, had neglected to record the rainless heat of the summer gone before, or the searing winds that burned the grass brown as it grew, or the winter which forgot its part and permitted prairie dogs to chip-chip-chip above ground in January, when they should be sleeping decently in their cellar homes. Apart from the brief storm which Rowdy had brought with him, there had been no snow worth considering. Always the chill wind shaved the barren land from the north, or veered unexpectedly and blew dry warmth from the southwest, but never the snow for which the land yearned. Wind and bright sunlight and more wind, and hypocritical drifting clouds, and more sun, lean cattle walking, walking uphill and down coulee, nose to the dry ground, snipping the stray tufts where should be a woolly carpet of swell-ripened grasses, eating wild-rose bushes level with the sod, and wishing there was only an abundance even of them, drifting uneasily from hilltop to further hilltop, hunger-driven and gaunt, where should be sleek content. When they sought to continue their quest beyond the river, and the weaker bogged at its muddy edge, Rowdy and Pink and the Silent One would ride out and, with their ropes, drag them back ignominiously to solid ground and the very doubtful joy of living. Mayday found the grassland brown and lifeless, with a chill wind blowing over it. 
the cattle wandered as before except that knock-kneed little calves trailed beside their lean mothers and clamored for full stomachs the cross l cattle bore the brunt of the range famine because eagle creek smith was a stockman of the old school his cattle must live on the open range because they always had done so other men bought or leased large tracts of grassland and fenced them for just such an emergency but not he it is true that he had two or three large fields as miss conroy had told rowdy but it was his boast that all the hay he raised was eaten by his saddle horses and that all the fields he owned were used solely for horse pastures the open range was the place for cattle and no cross-ell critter ever fed inside a wire fence through the dry summer before when other men read the ominous signs and hurriedly leased pasture land and cut down their herds to what the fields would feed eagle creek went calmly on as he had done always he shipped what beef was fit and that of a truth was not much and settled down for the winter trusting to winter's snows and spring rains to refill the long dry lakes and water holes and coat the levels anew with grass but the winter snows had failed to appear and with the spring came no rain april showers became a hideously ironical joke at nature's expense always the wind blew and sometimes great flocks of clouds would drift superciliously up from the far skyline play with men's hopes and sail disdainfully on to some more favored land it is all very well for a man to cling stubbornly to precedent but if he clings long enough there comes a time when to cling becomes akin to crime eagle creek smith still stubbornly held that range cattle should be kept to the range he waited until may was fast merging to june watching from sheer habit for the spring transformation of brown prairies into green when it did not come and only the coolie sides and bottoms showed green among the brown he accepted ruefully the unusual conditions which nature had thrust upon him and started wooden shoes out with the wagons on the horse roundup which is a preliminary to the roundup proper as everyone knows End of chapter 5